Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our T-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. One of the signs of the end of the age will be that people will have a seared conscience, a deadened conscience. How could anyone with any sense of right and wrong ask for prayer from an elderly widow and then steal from her while faking prayer? Yet this sort of evil, and much worse, is happening daily throughout this sinful world. Major cities across this country are experiencing a rise in violent crime. Crime is on the rise in the U.S. Murders and other violent crimes rose sharply in cities across the country. Murder rates across the U.S. are rising. As cities across the country see an increase in violent crime this year. The crime numbers out from the FBI today showing a significant increase in the number of murders and manslaughters last year. Scientists were still instinctively opposed to the idea that the universe had a beginning. They felt that a point of creation would be a place where the laws of science broke down, and one had to appeal to religion and the hand of God to determine how the universe would start off. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. This result upset many physicists, but it delighted those religious leaders who believed in an act of creation, for here it seemed, was scientific proof. This discovery, was one of the most important in the history of science. We are alive in this universe, and because our atoms are traceable to the universe itself, the universe is alive within us. You are special, not because you're different from the universe. You are special because you are the same as the universe. To me, that borders on spiritual. We are not figuratively, but literally stardust. The amazing thing is that every atom in your body came from a star that exploded. And the atoms in your left hand probably came from a different star than your right hand. It really is the most poetic thing I know about physics. 
You are all stardust. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keane from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Looks like we got a few people in here who want to chat. Let's see what's happening there. Hey, what's going on there, Jerry? Am I coming through clear? I can hear you clear. Can you hear me? Yeah. Let's go ahead and add Mr. Uh, Logan, I think it is. What's up, Logan? Hi, how are you? I don't know what the hell he just said. What did he say? I think he said, hi, how are you? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so what you been up to today, Jerry? Oh, well, I was invited to go to a uh, fish fry, so uh, that's where I was spending my evening was uh, was for was with a fr- fish fry, and uh, then um, got home and spent a little bit of time with the wife. Got her tucked into bed. I just got her tucked into bed and come down, uh, come down to uh, to connect up. Pretty good timing, I guess, huh? Yeah, what kind of fish are we talking about? Uh, perch. Um, it was a fish fry type thing that they had going on, and really good. They do they do a good job. Uh, they cook it up right, nice and crispy. Mmm, making me hungry. <laughs> well, I'm not hungry because I had I had a good amount. I had a good amount. Oh, goodness gracious. I definitely want me some perch now for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they um um they do it right. Uh they have tons of volunteers involved in that and it's just amazing uh to see the amount of work that they put into it. Um they just have like 10 people just cleaning trays uh and they fill up the hall. Um they they fill up the hall. Uh, just amazing the amount of people. But uh, I think a lot of it is people are finally getting out now from the COVID. And uh, I met with um, a couple that had had COVID and she had it really bad and uh, was able to talk to them a little bit. They were kind of relieved to be able to get out and do a few things. That's just kind of the way it works, I guess. Mm, Goodness gracious. What kind of, uh, what, what are they going through with this COVID? Um. What do you mean by that? What are they going to? What are they going through? Oh, going through. It's what they went through. Um, you know, j- they just got through. Uh, she almost lost her life. The doc- the med- the, um, the hospital actually did kind of like the opposite of what they should have and um, almost killed her uh, in the process. And, um, yeah, there was some malpractice going on there with that COVID issue. And, um but yeah, she was really close to, um, um, you know, having big issues with her lungs and so forth. My uh, father had gotten a vaccine, as uh, you probably heard in my videos. Hadn't been around for years, but ended up moving up to my state and everything. And then COVID blows out. He ends up going, getting the vaccine, and it had a strange reaction on him. Mm-hmm. My father apparently never had the chicken pox in his life, and it screwed with his immune system and caused some kind of condition. I forget what it's called, but it's when adults get chicken pox. Right. And the man's like 60 years old, so it caused some kind of disturbance where half of his face like seemed to go to sleep. 
And he's right. been having to go to the, the doctor to get uh, things. It looks like he had a stroke. It's horrible. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, uh, some kind of a stroke type thing. I um, Well, I've had all the vaccines and so forth. I've, I was kind of first in line because of my wife having uh, uh, COPD, but... Um, you know, and I had no no reactions whatsoever. But everybody's different, you know. Um, uh, everybody's different, and some people really shouldn't be getting the vaccine. Um, and um, you know, I'm not a anti-vaxer, but um, I understand if people choose not to. Boy, that is their right, and I support their right to do it. Um, I just didn't want to um cause anything that would cause cost my wife's wife or my wife's life um that way so um tried to do the best i could i worked in a technically a medical facility for it was for drug rehab so i qualified um you know for the um you know to get to get the vaccine early and so I, I jumped at it just because I didn't want to get it, give it to my wife. I can understand that. I can understand that. My uh, brother believes that he and I have already had the uh, this COVID and everything like that because we both got really, really sick around the time that they were talking about. Neither one of us went to go get a vaccine. We don't have any kind of health insurance in the first place. This world just simply doesn't like us, but... We went through some rough stuff for a couple of weeks, had a hard time breathing, was dizzy. I had uh, a lot of the symptoms, but here I am today running my mouth as usual. Bet a bunch of people would have celebrated had it worked, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did something uh, last week. We or, um, uh, Yeah, last week we did not do a uh, broadcast. And um, we always have like a, a list. It's a three-column list of um uh praises prayer requests and then we had vaccine and we've had a long list of people in that vaccine but lately we hadn't had any and i just felt impressed that it was time to delete the vaccine <laughs> so i said you know we've had this up here for about a month and we haven't added any, added any new names and we know that a lot of people, you know, that we're not seeing people with the vaccine anymore. I think it's time to proclaim an end to the vaccine, <laughs> an end to the uh, to COVID. And so um, I, uh, you know, highlighted it in front of everybody and then click delete. I just deleted the, the, the COVID. How about that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I think that um, hopefully... Um, Hopefully, you know, the, the natural um, immunity is taking care of business. It always has before, you know, even before we had a lot of um, the, the technical prowess that we do. Uh, when the Spanish flu came, well, it came and it went. So um, I'm hoping that that will be the same with the, the vaccine. That it just, it'll just become another part of the, of the flu vaccine that we would have you know every year yeah yeah i hear you there well let's talk a little bit about some of the news that's going on and also you said that you had some interesting things written down for me and i would also like you to discuss uh where you're going with the book at this point how things have been going but uh apparently i uh 
I was reading in the New York Post, the House votes to legalize marijuana. <laughs> so uh, what do you think about that? I personally, I, you know, I'm old school. I don't really get into all the drugs and all that kind of stuff. I know there's a lot of people in social media that seem to enjoy recreational stuff. Not me, though. I stick with Skittles, root beer, and coffee. <laughs> and that's about as mean as I get in an occasional cigarette. Yeah, um, caffeine. That's that's about my that's my drug of choice. Uh, that's all that I need. I um um I I think it it's going to lead itself to some you know there there are going to be some problems. Let's just put it that way um, because it, it's just like with the alcohol when um, when they legalize the alcohol, um, you don't don't hear about any of the negatives, but of course you know, the, the winners get to tell the history <laughs> and all they could talk about is how bad it was to have prohibition. And, um, when, when the alcohol was legalized, um, I read a, um, uh, an account, um, of, of the ill effects of having legalized the alcohol. And there's going to be some ill effects because of the legalizing of, uh, of the marijuana, I don't think because of the nature of it, it is going to be as debilitating, you know, it, you know, um, <laughs> other than what more of the kind of things that we like, like the Skittles and the <laughs> candy and the snacks, you know. Um, but uh, I, I know there are some that use it um, for medicinal purposes. Um, I, I, I know a man that he, he has issues with ADHD very hyperactive and the stuff calms him down and um you know so he you know it's a medical marijuana i have no problems with a medical marijuana uh purpose that way it actually helps but um you know i i'm not going to i'm not standing in judgment of the man uh and uh anybody that way i don't like the idea of recreational use period i don't do the alcohol um i used to i i you know when i was much much younger let's say about 42 years ago um you know i i i drank quite heavily after my dad passed away um and i was blaming god a lot uh in that period of time and um you know but uh i'm glad that god sought me out and um and spoke to my heart and uh made that change and you know um grateful for that and that and that experience really did help me tremendously in helping people in the um, drug rehab very very nice to have that background and experience that way um you mentioned about the book well yeah, I'm gonna. Um, can you do me a favor? I'm gonna yeah. keep you on the main screen here. Okay. I have some wireless headphones, so I'm gonna be listening in. So I'm not gonna be cutting in or interrupting. You just uh, go on as long as you like on it. I'll be right back, but I'll be listening. Okay. Um, I have been working on a book. Um, I had the beginnings of it started, um, actually about 20 years ago. Um, I, I wanted to write a book and, uh, I had the character, uh, the characters all written out. I even have, um, I'll show you real quick. 
old school, I had a folder and, you know, I had like the chapters all put together as far as what was going to happen, uh, scene overview, um, mini stories. They tell you to write up the mini little mini stories. Um, I get, had a, a, a section on um, location and uh, characters, uh, personality traits and uh, physical traits and everything that would kind of give a, um, a layout. Of, of the book. So it would have some consistency. There's an app for that now. It's a lot easier, but I had started writing this, um, this book. And then um, we ended up adopting my two nephews. Uh, and one was 11 months old and, uh, you know, still using diapers. And actually the four-year-old was still using diapers because, uh, you know, he was, was not getting the proper care. And uh, had some uh, disabilities on top of that. So, you know, we took them on and I just had to set it aside. I did not have time for it. Um, and every year I said, okay, I'm going to get this book started. And it never got off the ground. Um, and uh, But I determined that when I retired, I was going to get the book finished. And uh, it was kind of cool because I, I, I had a good start. I had the character development. Um, I, I let my sister-in-law read it and she says, I don't know what happened to these people <laughs> and don't let, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> and that's how that told me that she was, it was written well enough that she could get into the characters. Um, so at any rate, <clears throat> um, wasn't quite sure how I wanted to end it. I have a couple of different types of, um, book scenarios and it has an end times theme to it. And uh, there was a couple of different major themes that I was looking at for writing the book. And as I started um, re, um, uh, re-entering into the book writing mode, um, I was just like, Lord, I really want to know how I need to end this book. And uh, God gave me um, a uh, really lucid type dream with a lot of the detail information that I needed to have to make the book an interesting book. At least I hope so. So I just finished it yesterday. Uh, it's got over 44,000 words, um, which is a, it qualifies for a small Christian novel. And, um, and so, you know, I got that, I got it done. Um, right now I'm reviewing it. Uh, I'm kind of reading through, uh, I'm actually verbally reading it to myself to see if it makes sense. And, uh, I've had to make a few edits, you know, as I go through and change it. So it, I'm not trying to be a perfectionist, but at least it has to make sense when you're reading it. So I've been doing that. I've been reading through it. And, uh, and, and so I've been, um, that's that's where I'm at now. Uh, did some research and worked on the title uh, just to make sure that there wasn't another book by the same kind of title or if I need to tweak it a little bit to make it different. Uh, did some research on how to do the covers and I have a pretty decent uh, sense of what looks good, um, what's aesthetic as far as for a book cover. And so... Um, you know, I did some research on that part, getting ready to put that together. And um, my name, um, I've just kind of glanced over here. 
Um, my name is Jerry, um, Pastor Jerry. And uh, I just happened to glance over and uh, uh, Alden was there. And uh, I just happened to see that little question there. So at any rate, um, I'm looking at probably, realistically speaking, probably about May 2nd is when I plan on having it released. Um, it may be sooner if I can get uh, uh, get it more together um, as far as the edit. I've got two two friends. Well, I have my one son and a friend that are they're going to do some editing just to kind of like look at it and make suggestions. And um, so as soon as I get my reading done and my initial editing, then I'm going to send it off to them so that they can take a look at it. And um, both of them really like to read. And uh, like once the my friend said, I would just love to be a part of uh, the beginning stages of a, of a brand new book by a new author. So it's like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Um, so, um, he's a previous coworker. Um, he worked at the jail when I was working, uh, at the local jail. And, uh, we started at the same time, uh, on the same date. And, um, uh, we turned out to be, you know, really good friends and, uh, we have a lot of the same kind of attitudes about things. So working on the editing part and uh, hoping to get things finalized, going to have it on Amazon um, and, um, you know, Amazon Kindle. So you can, uh, <clears throat> as I understand it, you can have it as a download or a Kindle download, or you can actually have it printed up, which will be a, a nice option for people to have. Yeah. An ebook. Mm. The ebooks are pretty nice too because they've got a voice activation. You can also do like that uh, website I gave you where it can read to them. Yay! <laughs> well, I was thinking about doing the audiobook. Um, you know, as I'm reading it, I'm just thinking, do I want to do this? And do I want to do the audiobook? Because, you know, you can make some pretty good sales with the audiobook too. So, um, you know, that would be an option that I would be open to. Um, <clears throat> to, um, to try to, you know, I would drum up a little more sales that way. If there's an audiobook version that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, making a PDF is fairly easy to do, uh, that way. Um, is there another version of an ebook that I could do, Brent? So you you have more experience than I do on this. Well, whenever you uh, put your manuscript up there, it gives you the option if you also want to sell it as an ebook as well. It's uh, just a matter of checking some boxes and all that, and right. that seems to do pretty well. The ebook, of course, since there's no uh, manufacturing involved, you can make quite a bit of a, a profit off of that. As where a book, it, you know, all the crap that goes into it, they're going to take a hit off you, right? They're going to get their percentage of it. Uh, that's for sure. So, um, but yeah, um, that's, that's where I'm at, uh, with the book and so forth. I'm kind of, I'm excited about it. Um, I was doing some editing last night, uh, kind of late and I found it hard to get, get to sleep because of, um, my mind was very, very active, uh, kind of late. And, uh, so I, I was kind of short on sleep today because of that. And, um, but yeah, grateful for that, uh, for that opportunity. And, uh, um, just glad I had an opportunity to run across you, Brett, right at this, 
right at this time uh, <laughs> as I'm trying to do this because you've done a lot of books. Yeah, I've uh, I've got. Oh, looks like uh, Mr. Aiden's here. Hey, Aiden, how you doing? Yeah, doing all right. Thanks. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Just to tell, I was just about to tell Jerry. I've also got a uh, over a 400 page uh, book sitting up there waiting to go public. I'm me and my wife's oh, yeah. kind of holding back on it. It's an autobiography. And wow. unfortunately, it's got a lot of dirt on some of the uh, family members and all that because, well, you kind of have to tell it if you're going to tell the story of your life. So instead mm -hmm. of uh, waiting for them to be able to have the chance to read it, me and my wife and I have been consoling it because I don't want a bunch of people come knocking on my door wanting to get mean with me over it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably best to wait than then it's at that point. Yeah. So the, the question is, Brett, are you waiting for them to die before you do this? <laughs> well, that is a, a thought that me and uh, my wife have had. <laughs> That's too. Oh goodness gracious. That's cold, ain't it? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand working where I have worked. Sometimes my mind is a little on the warped side. I think that's why we get along, Brett. <laughs> yeah. I've been told I'm a little twisted for sure, for sure. So I had uh, made a couple of videos where I was uh, asking Kristen some different questions and all that. And you had uh, said that you had written some stuff together. And yeah. uh, by the way, I was meaning to ask you, I've been dabbling in some different philosophies out there that uh, coincide with Christianity in many ways, but seems to irritate some folks when I bring it up, like Maltheism. Have you ever heard of this? All right. What, what's that? Maltheism, like I got a, that problem. Okay, so you know that a lot of Christians usually go with the view that God is all-loving. Well, maltheism basically suggests, as well as there's another term like disseism, where it says that God has a dual nature, that he's capable of doing good, love, all these things that the okay. Bible claims, but also claims he has the ability to uh, commit evil and maliciousness. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting that you touch on that subject, actually, because I was going to bring up uh, like one of the fact that one of the oldest images of Jesus Christ, actually, that we've been uh, able to carbon date. And as a matter of fact, one of the really common images of Jesus in Eastern Christianity is uh, a lot of people almost criticize it for looking off in a certain way. But what it essentially tries to do is it shows two faces of Christ within one. And one of them is the side of mercy and love and compassion. And the other one is of uh, vengeance and d death and destruction and things like that. And how they're both contained within the same being. So that's actually really interesting that you brought that up. I can't get around the idea, Jerry and Aiden, that if God, um, being that God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful and all this, um, in order for any of his sentient life forms or creations, whether they be the celestial body of angels or man, um, he had to have been able to program us with the tools and the abilities to commit both good and evil. It does say he created us in his image. And then in Isaiah 45, 7, depending on the translation you read, it'll say, I form the light and the darkness. I create peace and evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Of course, some translations uh, read it differently. 
No, for sure. It's, uh, I think that, I think this idea of God being this, um, like this almost like touching up of God to be more and more of a purely good and merciful being has been a bit more of a product of something like the enlightenment. It's something that's a little bit more of a modern notion of Christendom in comparison to the totality of its existence. So I guess it really depends on what perspective you look at it. If you look at it from a more traditionalist perspective, there's a lot more of that uh, death and destruction and, uh, you know, gnashing of teeth, so to speak. Um, I have a, a kind of a different outlook on it when it comes to that. Um, there is one person in this world that I can create the most anger and 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 the most vitriol. You know who that is? Who would that be? It's Probably me. me. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> it's the one who loves me the most, my wife. Hmm. I, I can create within her an awful lot of anger um, and jealousy. Um, <laughs> why? Because she loves me and she committed herself to me you know, 42 years ago mm-hmm. and I committed myself to her too. And so I, I can, at the drop of a hat, create within her a really, really seething anger. And actually she, she's very much of a jealous type person. And she goes, Jerry, Jerry if I didn't love you, I wouldn't be jealous. <laughs> and, no, and so, so we have a God who demonstrated his love for his, for his uh, creation so much that he gave his only begotten son. He, he, he didn't just say that he loves us. He demonstrated it through the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and so therefore... As much as he loves us, uh, we can also invoke in him a wrath and an anger that is very justifiable um, because of his commitment that he gave us around 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Jerry, can I ask you something? How is it that I put on my thumbnail... Link is in the description, and also <laughs> post in the comments. This is how you join. Yet I still get this. Oh, the how can I call in? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I that just it bewilders me. I don't know if I should slam my head in the car door or the refrigerator. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. Car door is heavier, <laughs> bro. It's right. Hey. You have to do this, Brett. You got to go. It's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not trying to be cold, Olivia, but uh, you might want to try opening your eyes when you go to a web browser. I'm just saying. Hi, B. How you doing? The reason why I put you on the big screen there, Jerry, is because we've got somebody in. I think it's the B from last time. But just to make sure Pecker doesn't go flying on my screen, I went ahead and uh, zoomed you up so it covers everything. (laughs) 
I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, Jerry, when opening up a room, but for some reason, a lot of non-believers out there want to show me their porn collection while I'm, I'm on a live stream, so I have to be careful. <laughs> well, I remember, what was the name of that, that live video chat that you could do? And that happened an awful lot. There was It was like a pandemonium where people would come in and scream, yell, holler, and you know, and uh, until it got booted, you know, every obscenity in the book, you know, <laughs> no, I had that happen just last week. I had this guy that kept on coming in under tons of different names, screaming the N word and all kinds <laughs> of homophobic names. And I'm like, sir, I'm married. I, uh, I appreciate your fetish, but I'm just not into it. Hey, bro. Mm, you must be you, Brett, man. You bring him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't Is know that you, they... Mr. B? Well, I oh, haven't was really that done... from last time? This is the most I have done in live broadcast. Other than uh, Facebook when I have done, you know, my broadcast from my church. Um, you know, this is the most I've done as far as live broadcast. So, Brett, you know, <laughs> uh, you're more experienced than I am at that. Is that oh, the Aiden oh, from God. last time? Yeah, that, that's me. Sweet. How's it going, Aiden? How's it going, Brett? It's going pretty, pretty good. good. There's uh, another non-believer out there that I apparently aggravated. I uh, had scheduled something for Thursday with him to be able to come in and have a one-on-one. -on -one. But right. I realized, you know what? I did a Monday. I also scheduled something on Tuesday with an atheist who didn't even bother to show up. Left me hanging, so I ended up doing a live show. And that turned out good. But still, it was irritating the person didn't show up. So yeah. Wednesday rolls around, I do a live show. Then Thursday comes along, and I said, look, I'm going to be doing something on Friday. I'd like to be able to hang out with my family if that's cool. So if you want to show up, show up. Well, the person gets mad because I scheduled it for the very next day. And they are now making like 20-minute TV series about what a coward I am, even though the link is publicly open for everybody to come in and chat <laughs> with me. I, I turned up on Wednesday, I think it was. Remember you talked about the snot and the lightning bolt? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy named Mr. Jones out there who's got like a couple thousand subscribers and atheists, and that's what he believes. He believes that there was snot on a rock that got hit by lightning. He turned from a snail to a whale, from the goo to the zoo, and that's... Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> a very uh, strange way of saying it. I don't think I've ever heard it that way. Right? No, but you know what? You just gotta... It, repetition seems to be the key, Mr. B. You just gotta make sure that they know exactly what your positions are on things, and then there's a, less of a chance that you uh, have assumptions like that being thrown at you just because you believe yeah, in evolution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, no, that's not to be uncharitable. I know that there's a comedic aspect to it as well, so... Well, I'm, I guess I'm just gonna sort of chime in every now and then. I guess... I'm just going to play a game in the background. If you guys can hear yeah. it, turn it down or something, just let me know. What no, you no, playing no. over there, Mr. B? I'm playing a game called Destiny 2. Oh, Destiny's oh. pretty good. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you. Uh, I play it every now and then. I was going to ask you, though, Brett, uh, maybe not now because I know we're having an interesting discussion, but at some point in the stream, I know you used to let people... Uh, stream the games they were playing back in the day i'm playing a medieval game called uh mountain blade banner lord that i think you'd get a bit of a kick out of if you'd let me stream that well if you want to try to put it up on the screen i'll uh, do that now that i know that it's the uh, right mr b i can put everybody back up on the screen yeah. again actually, actually uh 
y'all i've got to head out for a little bit but i can hop back in in maybe a couple hours i just i gotta do something for a bit with my uh clan mates here we're actually going into a competitive game and we're gonna see if we can oh win. nice nice yeah, I gotta gotta be careful with remember, the way you word that stuff sir because some people out there they're not gamers and they hear somebody talking about their clan people get <laughs> and... no 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 i'm not into anything like that but hey, remember trials oh my oh um uh, tri- trials revelations, I trials, think is what no, it was called. No, in the game, trials, trials. Oh, Osiris. trials and destiny. Sorry, I thought you were talking about. No, the no, game, no, 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 no. Yeah. Today's the day I'm gonna guild my flawless seal finally, so that'll be good. Oh, sweet. Yeah, no, it's been a while since I played uh, Destiny. I kind of fell off the first-person shooter scene a little bit. I'm more into, like, the grand strategy games right now. So. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. Well, uh, anyway, y'all have a nice day, and maybe I'll be back later if you're still yeah. on, Brett. But, all right, see ya. All right, yeah, see you later, B. Have Bye. a good time. You too. Um, do you know, Brett, how I would go about streaming this game on here? I remember I could do it on your old platform you were streaming on, but it doesn't quite seem as intuitive here. Maybe I'm just it being like it would be easier for you if you were using OBS and then running your game through that and then uh, do the virtual camera. If you do it directly, there's probably going to be like um, almost a 15 uh, uh, frame rate drop for you. Mm. Well, I'm playing on a pretty powerful computer. I don't know if 15 frames would be too bad, but you know what? I'll try and fire up the old OBS. I don't think I've ever done. Oh, the, the game will look great for you. It's I'm concerned that the software may not be able to put it out. It won't flow right. It'll look like your uh, your character has Tourette's or something. <laughs> no, fair enough. I'll try and uh, see if I can do that right now. Uh, I'm not too uh, not too much of a tech guy, but I can definitely see if I can get OBS working. In the meantime, yeah, you guys go ahead and have your uh, conversation, though. It's all good. Jerry, I was listening to you earlier where you were describing the analogy of how much God loves us and uh, the wife's love, jealousy. I fully comprehend and uh, understand that. I know what it's like to get a frying pan upside the head by the wife if I step out of line, so I get it. It's uh, some of the unnecessary things, though, in this world that bother me. Um, As you know, I spent a great deal of time in a children's hospital whenever my daughter was going through her issues, and I seen a lot of pain and suffering from little ones that when it comes to kids and babies, I just can't get around to the idea that um, there's any reason for that to happen. To me, that's an unnecessary evil, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd definitely be one of my biggest contentions with theology as it exists. I know it's a bit of a basic, like pretty generic criticism of religion, but I don't think that takes away from any of the validity of uh, the criticism. Yeah, it doesn't take away from uh, just because someone doesn't like the way the world works or some of the nasty things that happen in it. It in no way disproves the existence of God whatsoever. But I I think that any rational person, uh, whether you're non-believer or religious, is going to wonder what's the deal with this? How is this? uh, What's the point of it? What is the lesson to be taught? When it comes to... Just a minute. <laughs> I was playing with my OBS and trying to see about how I can uh, put can put that up, um, like you have suggested in the past. So, I'm so you open up your OBS, you're going to yeah. see a button that says "Virtual Camera," 
you'll have to set it in here right now it's set to your webcam so you'll want to go into the uh, the settings and set it to OBS virtual camera and then it'll connect and you'll be able to put banners up and you know uh, you know weird pictures of my face if you feel like it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure plenty of people just have those in their back pocket you know well I guess a couple people probably would I mean who knows there's a lot of weird people out there so Placeholder asks, just wondering what your you and your guest's favorite book of the Bible is. I got to say that one of my favorites is probably the book of James. There's a lot of love, mercy, compassion, and a lot of really, really good teachings. It gets right to the point on a lot of that uh, material there. I think if you if you could only keep one book around of it, that's definitely uh, one of the more excellent ones that I think a person could live their entire life to. Just that book alone. That's one of the extraordinary things about the Bible, though, right? Hey, it's Phoenix Jr. He finally got around to coming in. He said, I'm not shy anymore. I'm going to talk to that mean old Brett Keen. How you doing there, fella? <laughs> um, can y'all hear me? Yeah. yeah you're we can hear what? Okay. Uh, hi. I just uh, didn't want to interrupt. I saw y'all were talking about a video game and thought, well, uh, I, I now that we're getting back to the Bible, I can say something. Uh, anyway, uh Earlier, I'm not going to show my face. I'm, I'm too embarrassed. But uh, you said earlier that you had some uh, questions about the uh, Bible. I've been uh, studying the Bible, and I wanted to see if I could try to answer some. All right, fair enough. Uh, I mentioned Isaiah 45.7 earlier, where it says, I form the light and the darkness. I create peace and evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And Jerry, I still do this all out of memory, believe it or not. Shocking, right? Probably makes you want to take a mop handle to me. But uh, <laughs> no, no, no. what do you think about that, PSJ? Whenever um, whenever God says he creates evil, do you believe that that means he's given us, us like some kind of potential to be able to disobey him? Or is he actually creating like some kind of form of substance of evil? What, what, what do you think of this? I, I used to uh, wonder about that verse myself. Uh, let, let's see if I can uh, say the exact perfect way from what I heard about that. Um, the way I can describe it, it, the best way I can describe it is you have to go back to Genesis where it talks about uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it, and you have to think about it like that. I'm going to describe about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil first, and then I'll go over the uh, that verse about Isaiah 45. Uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. Many, many people will say, uh, why, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in there in the first place? Why didn't he just take it out and say, and say, y'all can live for free. Uh, have fun. Well, why didn't he do that? Well, he didn't do that because of something called free will. He's not going to, uh, force somebody to follow him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to force someone to do what God wants. God's not going to force someone to do what he wants them to do. He's not going to force them to be their family. Same thing with Jesus. That's why we still have to accept Jesus. He's not going to force us to believe in Jesus. He's not going to force us to go to heaven. And that's the same idea here. So um, when God had said, now I'll go back to Isaiah 45. And uh, when it says that God created uh, evil and he created good, well, if uh, you don't, have the option to do evil uh how are you going to be it i'm trying to think of if you don't have 
the option to pick evil. If there's nothing evil to pick from, how are you supposed to pick evil? How, how are you supposed to have free will if you only have one choice? You know what I mean? It's an excellent uh, way to put it. But there is, a, there is a consequence to the concept of free will that I'm sure that you all would agree on here. If you allow people to do evil, then this also means that they're able to do things that are against your own will such as murder you, kill you, rape you, mutilate you. I can pull out the whole Christmas list, but I think you get the point. It gives people the option to take away the will of others, especially dictators like atheists. They took away the will of a whole lot of people, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they, definite, uh, they definitely um, tried to, they definitely try to make it hard to follow God. And especially in the Bible, those, uh, uh, apostles that went up against really hard things and uh, even died for their faith in God. And you know about that, right? Of course, yeah. A lot of uh, good people in the Bible, they uh, they died for their faith and their belief, for sure. That's one of the other things that makes me hold on to the faith like I do, because I believe if someone's going to die for something, then they're going to die for something they believe in, not for a lie. You see what I'm saying, Jerry? Makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Oh, man, my, my program just uh, crashed. Anyway, um, not, not about that. Just forget about that. Okay, so uh, about the atheist dictators, uh, let me t try to think of one like Hitler. He uh, he uh, pretended to be Christian. Uh, he said that uh, Christianity was the most fail-selective lie that ever existed. Yet people in the concentration camps oh, you remained mean this guy Christian. Right here? This guy right uh, here that I got on the screen? Oh yeah, that nut, that that uh, nut. I never heard that. I never saw that uh, quote though. But yeah, that's even a uh, uh, that's even worse. People in the concentration camps, they uh, they kept their faith and they kept um, believing in Jesus regardless of what hit, of how hard Hitler tried to take away their free will. He would they would not give in. They would not um, give in to Hitler's will no matter what. And so. Uh, um, let me. I'm trying to think. I lost my train of thought. Oh, and so uh, when you say about people trying to take away free will, sure you can make it hard on them to believe in Jesus, but uh, you can't take away their uh, free will. They can still believe, and they might even believe, and they might not tell you. They might be pretending to be an atheist. They might be. You can never truly take away someone's belief. Am I still here? Yeah. I, no, I, feel that if, I feel that if someone is abused enough or tormented or tortured, you could probably get them to say about damn near anything. At least that's uh, what we've experienced. Person suffers enough. Some people will break. Other people can handle a great deal more pain. I understand where you're coming from. In order to be able to have choices, the, the ability to make those choices have to be there in the first place. The potential to even do them both sides of the spectrum in order to make it a contrast. What you got for us, Jerry? I, I was trying to get that quote. It was, it was Isaiah 45 what now? Oh, Isaiah 45, 7? Yeah, okay. I, I brought it up so that, you know, we could take a look at it. Now, I use the King James. What's that? I'll get it up, too. Yeah. I use the New King James Version. And uh, um, I have a lot of confidence in it than I do in, uh, in in many of the other versions that there might be. 
Um, so there we are. Um, let me shut that off. Um, I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create calamity. Um, and, you know, I guess it would be the definition of calamity. I think you said evil when you said that. Yeah, and the, uh, um, yeah it's the a, older... it says evil in the King James. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that's kind of why I like the My goodness, that guy needs to be, uh, he needs to type our books out for me. You hear him over there? He's like a machine gun. <laughs> I wish I could type that Goodness quick. gracious, sir. Oh, y'all heard me typing? Yeah, yeah. you're, you're, well, you're like a machine like... gun over there. Little, 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 little. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a programmer, and I was typing in a studybible.info. Oh, that that explains it. Uh, I can't. Well, we're listening to you there, uh, and also Phoenix. I appreciate you coming in. It's uh, nice to have you as a guest to be able to talk about these things. Yeah, I'm usually really uh, shy about this. Uh, I'm not going to show my face. <laughs> Why for? If you believe God's got your back, there's no reason to be shy. God don't make junk, right? Oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm only 18. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just really nervous about this type of stuff. That's all good. Don't worry. I'm not going to bite you. I ain't got no teeth to do it anyway. <laughs> well, you know, atheists are watching this as well. Yeah, yeah, they probably are. Perhaps maybe they'll learn something. <laughs> we lurk behind every corner. It's true. Uh, so no. back to that verse seven, um, can you see the lexicon where you see all this the scribbles? No, you can't. I brought up the lexicon. Let me let me try to share that screen just a minute. What is that? Huh. Oh, that's weird. Why is it doing that? Uh, glitching out. Well, I'm trying to bring up a, uh, a screen where I've got the lexicon up for um, for that verse, which means it brings up the original Greek and Hebrew. Uh, here oh, the I original Hebrew. Let, let me pull that up. Uh, where is it? You you mean the Strong's Concordance? Um, well, actually, I use the Bible Hub. The there Bible Hub. Placeholder asks, have I ever read the Dark Tower series? Yeah, I do dig me some Stephen King. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'm on Bible Hub. I do not see King James. Oh, there it is at the top. I always thought The Stand was a really good uh, Stephen King book. That was a really good one. The film was pretty good, too. Usually, when they make movies of Stephen King's material, it doesn't come out anything like the book, but that was pretty close adaptation. I think that's how that's pronounced. Yeah, adaptation. No, you nailed that one. Um, I'm just okay, trying to see so this. Yeah, sorry. I brought up my lexicon, and uh, the word calamity that it has there, um, it's um, the Strong's Accordance is 4751B. And so it can mean several different things. Uh, so it has a wide span of, of um, 
um, a wide span of meaning, and it means evil, distress, misery, injury, or calamity. So, um, I'm going to I'm going to go over to that and see if there is any other information looking at that Strong's Concordance, and um, so. Um, it's been translated as adversity, calamity, disaster, evil, harm, harmful, hurt, ruin, surety, trouble, unpleasant. So uh, those are the major ones that way. Um, the root word is roa, which if I look that up, I'm going back into the original Hebrew. I hear you. Um, you know, badness or evil. Um and so it has several different meanings. It can mean evil, like you like you had mentioned, Brett, uh, and like it probably is in some of the versions. Uh, I, and I can look that up real quickly to see if there's any uh, any of the what translations might translate it as evil. But it, it sounds like, you know, what it's talking about is the bad things that happen in life. Uh, like, for example, now, we know that um, that God brought calamity upon the Israelites because of their disobedience. In fact, he said, you know, you're going to disobey me. And when you do, this is what, going, what is going to happen. You know, you know, all these bad things are going to happen. You're, you're, uh, you're not going to get rain or you know, all the different kinds of things, the afflictions that would happen because of uh, your disobedience. And, my uh, my issue is not a, at all, whenever God brings wrath or judgment down on uh, people who have deliberately disobeyed or committed sacrifices or done evil themselves, then I believe that it's perfectly justified to uh, bring justice upon folks like that. It, right. It's whenever it comes down to pregnant women or infants and children or innocent mm -hmm. animals that are being destroyed in the process that gets under my skin, though, if right. I'm going to be honest. I, I understand that. And that's because you are, a you know, you're a very caring human being. And it hurts you to see people hurt, uh, to see them in pain, to see them in such misery. Um it means you're a decent human being, right? Um, and and it, it unfortunately is the result of, um, you know, the fall of Adam. You know, when sin entered into the world, and all of those other calamities happened along with it. And, um, um, you know, it, it's it's a part of sickness and disease and so forth. Uh it's all a part of what happened when when uh, uh, when sin sin entered into the world, and it it's it's something that happens randomly. Um, you know, it, it's like I'll tell you what. You know, the the thing that struck home with me was in uh, um, you know when COVID hit. Um, there are some people very near and dear to me that passed away from it, um, and yet, and there I, I know of a, a thirty. Uh, a 31-year-old uh, lady that passed away from COVID, um, her mother didn't pass away from it. Her dad didn't pass away from it. 
but a um, near and dear relative of ours passed away uh, from COVID. And it's like, it just didn't make sense. Why would that happen? And her husband is still just suffering tremendously because of it, uh, really struggling. And, and um, so, um, Brent, you're a caring human being. And, and that's the reason why those things bother you because, yeah, you, you really do care about uh, the harm, especially when it's an innocent life. Um, you know, when it's an innocent life that way, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's a horrible misery that they're going through. And, um, you know, it's more of the reason of the fall of man than it is you know, God choosing, I'm going to put calamity onto that person, you know, and this person, this little child is going to have cancer and this one over here is going to have leukemia. And that's not necessarily what he does. It's not what he does is what it's what has been done to us because of the fall. Does that make sense? Well, there, I, I hear what you're saying and there's a lot of passages that definitely confirm this. But there are some verses that go a little bit into the different. And by the way, Jerry, if if you're ever uh, not feeling up to like having discussions about this or it bothers you, feel free to say, Brad, I'd rather get into another topic and we can talk later. I don't want anybody feeling like they're pressured or pushed or anything. But if you want to, we can look at Exodus 4.11. It's a conversation between God and Moses. And I understand the conversation is... Moses is not confident about his speech. He he doesn't know if he's able to do what God wants him to do and basically argues with God. And God's response to him is what gets me. And for some reason, people miss this. Exodus 4.11, he says, Who makes man's mouth? Who makes the blind, the deaf, and the dumb? Is it not I, the Lord? So he's basically saying that he actually puts the disabilities on people. Unless I got this wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. Remember, I'm a noob at this. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I just went right straight to the lexicon over that. Um, just to see what it might say. Um and as long as you're patient with it, um, you know, I, I, I usually can come up with, uh, you know, if there is a better explanation. Um, I guess the key. Well, Jerry, the good news is I got a full cup of hot coffee here and more on the way. So, yeah, <laughs> take your time. This ain't Jeopardy, folks. This is some in-depth stuff. I understand. That's why, uh, you know, as far as your responses to your question, I've got a whole uh, document that I put together uh, uh, for you that way. But um, to put, to set in place, to set, um, appointed, so on and so forth. Um, Okay. So... I think it has more to do, if you put it in the context, Moses was saying, hey, you know, there's got to be someone else that can do this. Um, you know, I, I, I'm such a stammer. You know, why are you choosing me? 
Um, you know, you can talk to my brother, Aaron, you know, he would be a better speaker than I am. And, um, and, and so in that, that's the reason why I think he said the words that he did kind of put it in context. He's saying more like, Hey, Moses, I made you the way you are. And I have called you to lead Israel. Don't question my call. Memphis is more, I think, in the fact of the call that he had on Moses than necessarily a theological um, um, uh, concept of uh, that he creates evil and so forth that way, that, that he is just a, a malicious type person in, in creating these different things. Um, I think it was more the fact that he was say, stating to Moses that, hey, Moses, I made you that way, and I'm calling you to lead my people. Um, of course, we know what happened with Aaron. Aaron couldn't lead um, for just a few days while Moses was up in uh, up, up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. Um, Aaron, in just a few days, when while, while Moses was gone, decided to create an, uh, a calf made of gold that they worshiped worship to so you know god knew that aaron wasn't the man for the job but that moses was um and um even though he was a stammerer and sometimes i feel that way myself uh even though he was a stammerer he had the right heart and and so i think it's more of the emphasis of um god telling moses look yeah, I know you're a stammerer. I made you that way, okay? But God's still going to use you. You understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, sometimes we just take something out of context and we look at it. And, oh, he created this. You know, he, cre- he creates this. and he. Well, you know, uh, there, are, there are sometimes reasons why things are the way they are. But sometimes it's just simply the... Uh, the fallen state of man is what creates that. What about the free will thing that we were talking about? Uh, Mr. Phoenix, he's still alive over there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I um, would like to comment on what, uh, I don't know his uh, name, but the guy, Jerry, the guy in the red shirt, I guess. Um, That's Jerry. That's Jerry. Uh, Jerry. Jerry you, you have the name of my best friend. Anyway, um, I wanted to comment on something you said. I think another possibility of what God saying, I make the blind, I make the dumb, I make the deaf. Um, God made Paul the apostle blind in the New Testament because uh, he was he was killing some of the Christians. He was uh, doing evil things. And so uh, sometime, uh, this is just my opinion, this is what I think it means, that uh, since God didn't make people blind in the New Testament, uh, and throughout other parts of the Bible, he did cause problems on people because of the wicked things that they've done. I think that, that it could be meaning that he uh, avenges his children. Um, and also, in my head, I'm just remembering about, about the man who was born blind. And, you know, a lot of people are sitting around theorizing, why is this guy blind? You know, did he sin? Well, he's, he, he, it happened from birth. Well, maybe it was his parents that sinned. 
maybe it was his mom or dad that sinned and they're making it into this great big theological thing and you know jesus comes along and says y'all got it wrong and i think sometimes that's the way it is with us uh we have to just trust that you know that that god is looking out for us uh even that god of the old testament he looked out for moses and he looked out for his people because his his people it was important that his people existed because they were the the um um you know the re, the the offspring was jesus christ and and so there is a demonstration i think of of you know god's care for his people god's care for us and um you know jesus said you know it's not that his father sinned or that he sinned or his mother sinned it's so that god can get the glory and and so amen in, in those tough situations like you're talking about brett where there is no rational reason for it um well there wasn't a real rational reason for lazarus to be suffering on this earth and the dogs licking his wounds that all these things evil things were happening to him while he was here on this earth and he had no mercy from anybody when he died jesus said he went to abraham's bosom in other words he went to the good place okay and when we look at this world just as it is when you look at it just the way it is right here and and the situations that you find yourself in it don't make sense it doesn't make sense and and life is not fair but the beautiful part is is that we have a righteous judge that will set things right Hey, I don't mean and, to disrupt things, just real quick. Um, yeah. I'm getting called by my fiance here to go spend some time with her, so I'm going to oh, go do that. that's important. Yeah, you got to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's been good talking with you guys. Sorry I wasn't able to be quite as much Not of a problem. Chatty Kathy good, good to talk to you, man. Good to talk. See you later there, Aiden. Yeah, have a good I'll night, be guys. right back in a moment. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to put you back up on the big screen. You and uh, Mr. Okay. Phoenix can get to know each other, and maybe you'll get him uh, feeling a little bit better because he's shy. He gets he gets scared of me. He's scared of my big blue, <laughs> my red moon behind me and all that. I'll be right back. I'm just kidding, Phoenix. And that smoke and that smoke that's going through there, you know. You're also, I'll be, uh, in the process. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm just going to go get my uh, lunch. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, listen, um, well, let's, hey, Brett, let's go into the uh, notes that I made. Well, I was saying I'd be right back in a moment. So go ahead and plug uh, your YouTube channel and some of your stuff. <laughs> Give you an okay. opportunity because people out here in the comments are enjoying what you have to say. So talk to them a little bit, Jerry. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I, I pastor a small church. Um, I have been called to to pastor small churches. Um, I've had a lot of people say, well, you know what? You get a lot bigger church. Yeah, but God hasn't called me to those things. So I've always worked a, a full-time job and I've pastored, um, you know, and uh, I just this year, uh, the, starting the beginning of the year, um, I have been um, retired. I was able to retire, turn 65. Um, 
but I, uh, the church that I pastor is out in the country and, uh, it's a small town. And, and so the potential of growth is questionable because of, you know, the number of people that are here. And, um, and, and so, uh, but yet this is where I'm called. And, and so, um, one of the, um, one of the things that I've started doing and, I do it as I can. I've been busy with writing my book, but I want to do more of the YouTube videos. And I've made a couple of them. Uh, I started with uh, First Timothy, and um, that's under Liberty Center Wesleyan Church. Uh, you can uh, look that up on YouTube. And um, uh, so uh, I've started doing a couple of different videos there. I plan on finishing up the series in First Timothy and then maybe getting into branching out into some other subject matter. But um, uh, with writing with writing the book and so forth, I haven't really been able to get into it too much. Um, I also have my personal channel, and I kind of have fun with that one. Um, I um, I have uh, uh, being sixty five. I've been getting ridiculous numbers of phone calls for telemarketers, and so. Uh, one day it's like, and I tried different things to try to talk to him. I've actually witnessed to a guy who was from Pakistan and, um, I, I talked to him about, you know, how wonderful it is to serve Jesus Christ. And, um, I, you know, it ended up, I prayed with him. I prayed for him right there on the phone. And, um, and you know, we were, he was still on the phone. Most of those telemarketers are hanging up right away. And uh, I said, you know, I really do have to get going and I appreciate our conversation. And uh, and and so I am going to have to try to say goodbye because I have to take care of my sons. And he just paused. I just I stopped for a minute and he paused and he goes. Will you pray for me? It's like, wow, you know, all the way across the world a telemarketer is asking me to pray for him. But um, at any rate, recently, uh, the Lord just kind of said, sing to him. And so um, as they come on, I will start with, um, well, there's something about that name. And, uh, oh, I would, you know, right away, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And usually they hang up, <laughs> but at least I get the word out, right? And, and, um, and, but I've had a few that have hung on and uh, I happen to catch a recording um, of, of that. And um, so on my personal channel, if you look up on YouTube, you can look up, um, it is, um, I sing to a telemarketer from India. Uh, that's one of them that I've done. But um, I have, uh, you know, I've put up about three of those so far. Just, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of fun to do, but it's also a witness. Uh, it's a witness that way. So um, I, I've been doing a little bit of that. Uh, my uh, church, um, uh, I do some live broadcasts on my church, uh, Liberty Center Wesleyan Church, and that's on uh, Facebook. Uh, Liberty Center Wesleyan Church. Um, so you can take in some of the videos that I have produced there, uh, just the live broadcast. Um, my focus on that has been the local church because uh, back in the COVID days, 
there there was um there was a need for me to reach out i had kind of avoided doing any kind of um uh, video ministry because i had done uh, youtube ministry uh, many many years ago and that's how i learned uh, how i met brett to begin with but um then i uh, i started um i started doing broadcast because my people are home and they need to have some kind of contact with the church and uh, some kind of a thing. So I started one way or another, starting to do some video broadcasts and that. And, and so uh, then I went live and started doing a lot of live. Most of my uh, Sunday morning services you can find right there on, uh, on Facebook, um, on, the, on, our, on our site. So um, um, what city am I from? Liberty Center, Ohio. That's where I'm from. Um, so, um, that's, uh, that's the location, but yeah, definitely, um, uh, I have been, um, trying to figure out exactly what God wants me to do, um, you know, while I'm retired and, um, accomplishing this book is, is one of those things. It is the book that I, that I have written. It's a science fiction End times novel. Um, I don't know if there's a genre for that or not, but there will be now. <laughs> and um, but it uh, it really does. It depicts a possible scenario for the Great Deception, and um, and it's just something that uh, had been hammering around in my head for quite a few years as a possible de- uh, possible deception that could happen, and. Um, one of the things that the novel will do will prepare the reader for if something like that would happen to happen. Uh, there is no way for me to know exactly what this great deception would be. Uh, a lot of people try to say, oh, I know what it is. No, we don't know what it is. But there is a couple of scenarios that I can see happening that would be a, a great deception. And, uh, and so that's why I wrote the book. And uh, hoping that uh, it would also uh, be a witness. There may be some people that are into the alien seed concept or um, the uh, ancient aliens uh, type type thing. And uh, I can bring home some truth that way to, to some of those people also. So it's an outreach uh, that way. Brett, are you back? I am. I am. It's I interesting. Saw, yeah. I was listening to you while eating my spaghetti about aliens and uh, the great deception and all that. I'm yeah. curious. Um, would you define God as almost extraterrestrial or alien? Oh, well, actually, you know, that's what he is because he's not of this earth, right? Um, and, and his angels are too. Um, my concept you know, is that, um, you know, and, you know, I can't give you the chapter and verse, but my concept is, is that the aliens are actually uh, fallen angels. And, um, you know, because there's a lot of weird stuff that's happening with them. Actually, my book kind of gives a, a portrayal of, you know, why abductions happen. Um, you know, those kinds of things. It kind of like answers a whole ton of different questions that way. And so uh, this, you know, 
it's kind of like a, a real expression of some thoughts that have been rolling around in my head for a long time. What's your idea on why it is that, according to scientists, there's billions of planets in the universe or more? What was the point? Um, well, one uh, one point is to understand how great and miraculous our God is in being able to um, have this vast, vast universe um, that it, it speaks of his his uh his power and his glory the heavens shall declare that there is a god could i uh could i answer too blood phoenix there's a i actually um thought about this and i I, in revelation and in uh multiple different parts of the bible where where in one part in revelation we're talked about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where the old ones have passed away um maybe that could be another planet um, it could be one of those stars out there. And another thing is, if it, we're all going to have a bunch of stars and heaven is going to be forever expanding, uh, th- maybe those stars could belong to us one day. Everyone, uh, Kent Hovind has said, everyone out of you could own seven sextillion to yourself. And those are just the ones we know about. And so, well, that's everyone... That's what the Mormons say. I don't know if you realize that, but they, uh, what is it called? The Pearl of Prices. I get a lot of Mormons who like to hang out with me for some reason, Jehovah's Witnesses. And they uh, they told me I'll get my own planet. And I said, well, can I take my wife with me? And they said, well, depends on if she wants to be on the same planet. And I said, well, I don't want to live on a planet all by myself. What's the point of that? And they're like, oh, sir, it, it's wonderful to be a beautiful planet. And I said, I don't I don't give a damn if it's Disney World. I don't want to be left in the place by myself, you know? Brent, you know what, I, got what part I've of said? That, right? <laughs> what, I, what I've said, Brent, is, you know, if I'm going to have my own planet, okay, and I'm going to be the god on that planet, I want my planet totally uninhabited because look what happened to God because of us right <laughs> that's rough man that's rough <laughs> well uh so i mean like i'm not a mormon uh, but uh i do agree with that first part that we're all going to get different plans but uh you know if the devil's going to be in the lake of fire and we're going to be immortal and there's nothing that can kill us what's stopping us from visiting each other's planets I don't know. Some people might not want to, to visit other people on their planet. So is well, there I mean, they don't like have some to. kind of barrier? No, I'm serious. There's a lot of religious folks that do not want to see me in the afterlife. They told me so. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have an answer to that one. <laughs> I come uh, marching around people's planet and I'm, I'm bound to get hit with something. Well, you know, of course, I have my mind has to go back to uh, like um, um, the Hellenistic view with all the different gods and so forth. And maybe that's why they were in such conflict, because they were like visiting each other's planets and, you know, creating competition for their for their world. You know, (laughs) well, if we're all going to believe in Jesus Christ and he's going to be the God of us, uh, there really won't be any competition because we're all submissive to the almighty. You know what? Just being at the feet of Jesus, I think, is going to be good enough for me. 
Uh, any any thoughts of 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 being on some planet somewhere? It, it's got to be. It's going to be less than actually being in the very presence of God Almighty. I just, um, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I have a little foretaste of glory divine, as the, as the hymn says, the old hymn, and uh, you know that Holy Spirit speaking into my heart and giving me such peace. Um, I, I want to be with him. Uh, I want to be with him in, in eternity. I don't care to have a planet of my own. Well, I mean, I mean, it's just a theory as to what they are. Another thing is because that they look really nice. They're really pretty to look up at the sky at nighttime and you can create constellations with them. Uh, and just be, and just to, and what you said, just to show God's, power just to uh, show the vastness of space and real because no one's ever seen one of these stars form <laughs> yep anyway i don't have anything else to say does your book have any uh thing having to do with like parallel dimensions or multiverses anything of that nature not necessarily but um uh, one of the um, one of the things that um, these um, beings that are a part of uh, of my book, um, fallen angels, if you will, um, is that they have the ability to cross over into dimensions. Um, I've heard people who don't believe in God, don't believe in the Bible, that when they look and see what the spacecrafts are able to do, um, they have said that they, they are crossing into other dimensions, okay? And so that's the power that, uh, that is the power that they have. Uh, and um, <laughs> my mind has gotten pretty active. Actually, it's kind of funny because... Um, Someone asked me when I was talking about my book, they said, you know, do you have any sequels in mind? I have a sequel and I have a prequel. And um, <laughs> that would be rather uh, interesting. An AI robot named Samson? No. <laughs> Just a nobody there. Um, I think that's funny. So, um, um Hey, do you want me to get into those questions that you had, by the way? It's weird that uh, Mr. Just Nobody mentions that because uh, I actually, in one of my books, do have an AI, and his name is Samson. But go ahead. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> you had mentioned, does God need or require mankind? Um, and, you know, basically... God's not dependent on anyone or anything. He suffers no lack. He doesn't have any limitations. And there is nothing that he is short in. He's not deficient in anything. And the, the name that he gave Moses kind of tells it all. I am that I am. Um, and so he... He, if he needed anything to stay alive or to feel complete, then he wouldn't be God, okay? So, does God need to require mankind? No. But he enlists us as free agents so that we can freely give back to him. 
And, it, you know, that falls into that free will concept. And uh, that's why he, he has given us choice. Um, Jesus really knew what he was going to suffer on this earthly ministry. Um, he realized what was coming up. And, um, you know, Mark um, 8.31, you know, uh, he said, um, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes uh, and to be killed at, and after three days rise again. So he knew the suffering that he was going to go through. And, um, you know, he, he understood what he was going to uh, have to suffer. And that prayer uh, that he prayed um, while in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, if there's any way that this can be passed, you know, uh, let it be so. But not my will, your will be done. And um, he prayed because he knew of what he was going to have to suffer. And, um, and he sweat drops of blood from his brow, uh, unspeakable anguish, um, unspeakable anguish that he was going through. And, um, you know, he was beaten unspeakably. Uh, and, you know, that torture, even before the cross, was, was, was horrible. But then the crucifixion itself, um, I mean, that was saved for the worst of the, of the uh, criminals. Um, and so it wasn't that God needed or required mankind. He, he wanted them. Um, he wanted them to only uh, worship him and to, to freely give back to him. Um, he wanted a a response. Um, it's just like, um, you know, sometimes, you know, my wife gives me the silent treatment and, uh, it's not been so bad lately. And I've been around her a whole lot more. I think that's a good sign. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, every once in a while she gave me the silent treatment and that was just the most horrible thing. I would talk to her and she wouldn't respond. And, um, you know, it's like, it really kind of made me feel uh, bad. And um, so when we don't respond back to God, when he give, gave his all for us, and then we don't respond back in like manner, um, you know, I'm sure that he feels a lot of pain, anger, and anguish over that whole thing. And rightfully so. Um, what you think about that one, Brent, as far as what does God need to require mankind? Well, I, I think in some ways um, we do hold a great deal of value in the sense that it's one can call themselves God with the attributes that God has. But you can't call yourself a father or a creator until you've actually created or fathered children or some kind of project, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You just, you can't have the name unless you, you fit the role. So, and, right. and, a, and a way, 
there was that necessity. And also, if you want, worship can also be defined as being respecting the creator and all this. Well, in order for there to be worship and respect, you'd have to create a sentient being or how many in order to be able to have that response that you speak of. So it seems like there's some kind of need there. Well, it, it, there is there is a want or a desire. Um, not that he would be short, not that he would be deficient, not that he couldn't exist without us, be, you know, being there. But you know, but he he wants he wants that response, just like I would want the response from my from my wife. And um, it seems as though. Um, Obviously, God is higher than us, a higher being, but it does seem as though when I read the Bible that he he has a lot of emotions. He has a lot yes. of feel, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, joy, uh, glory, all these different things. And um, I've tried to wonder to myself, and I don't know if I should even try to think this deep, of what it would be like for an eternal entity, only one of its kind, without nothing there, without no creations, no one to talk to, respond to, I wonder, can God also get lonely, if that makes sense? Yeah. I don't know about lonely. Um, and, and you know, I talked about having that planet that would be all by myself with no inhabitants because of how terrible we treated our, uh, you know, treated God here. The fact is, I mean, the thing is, they are trying to say, you too can be a God. And um, that's not necessarily, I mean, I'd rather just kneel at the feet of Jesus. Um, I, I, that's why I respond the way I did. I'm not See, saying that. I'm not that, saying you can oh. be a God. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm saying you can have your, you can uh, have your own place and uh, you, you know, you can, you can build what you want there. Not, not saying you can control it. Not saying that you can, um, be the overlord of it and make up your own rules. That's what a god does, uh, or the god does. The god, the god of the universe, makes the rules. Not saying that you can you can just make what you want, but you can't uh, control it. What you want, you can't like make life. I'm just saying, yeah. saying you can choose to have to uh, a special world of your own kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought Not about it. Very, it's it's one of the things too that humbles me about God as well. Because I remember whenever I was younger and naive, you know, everybody when they're younger, they think, ah, give me a bunch of power and abilities and everybody will have milk and cookies every single day, right? But then the more and more you get older and the more you see what humanity is about and what life forms can do to each other, to even imagine the idea of having the authority and responsibility of a god is... uh, Nowadays, as an older person who's more mature and experienced, it's frightening to even be put in a role like that. You know, when you're when you're young, though, you're like, yeah, yeah, I can take on the world kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, um, easy, easy to think that you're invincible until you recognize you're really not. <laughs> Well, it's it's um, not just that. I know that I'm a compassionate, merciful person, but if I was put in the role where I'm looking and seeing man do what it does to each other, um, 
I fear that I may be worse than some of the things I get bothered about in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can remember when I was reading through uh, the Old Testament and the Pentateuch, um, and I and I looked at the how every time that Israel had the opportunity to do the right thing, they would do the wrong thing. You know, it's like the manna. That was the one in particular. It's like, okay, they were to gather for six days, gather twice as much on the sixth day because the seventh day was that day of rest. And 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 you could, you know, and you would have it for two days. And so people went out on the first day and they hoarded up a whole bunch of, of manna and then it spoiled by the next day. Okay, there's number one. You know, that that um, they tried to store it up. No, just enough for that day. They messed up there. And uh, then they tried to um, gather on the Sabbath day. Um, no, it's not there uh, because that's the day of rest, you know, uh, you know that, that they were supposed to have. So, um, yeah, you're not going to find it. So they starred for a day. And it's like... You know, they just can't get it right whatsoever. <laughs> and so I, I could I was getting angry with the Israelites. Um I I got mad when um you know God parted the waters and provided uh, you know provided a way for them to escape, and then they were thirsty. Oh, they just brought us out here to die in the wilderness. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Um, he just provided a means by which he parted the waters. Do you think he might be able to provide you with water? Of course he could. So, yeah, it's, um, I too, I agree. I'm agreeing with you, Brett. I, you know, he is a very patient man. And I'll tell you what, he's been patient with me and I'm grateful for that. And I am totally indebted to him because of his patience for me, uh, because of my disobedience. Got a new person in here. Aaron, are you able to talk? Hello. Hey, Aaron, what's you up to, man? Uh, not bad. Just saw your streaming, so decided to pop Hey, Aaron! <laughs> hey, Aaron, there you go. All right, now that I know it's Aaron, I know we can uh, trust him. He's not going to pull out any ding-dongs. Yeah, anymore. I've been in here a few times. <laughs> yeah, I remember you. So how you been? How you feel about the discussion? Uh, uh, so far the discussions, um, made me think a lot about Psalms and Deuteronomy, actually. Well, I'm all ears, man. Tell us about it. Uh, just the whole idea of us being created in his image and, uh, also how God works in the and the heavenly host and kind of how he thinks and how he likes his children to participate. Cause even when you read Job or Psalms, you know, he really likes his children to participate in his, uh, decisions, which is, uh, I don't know. It's really interesting. So I was uh, kind of interested on your guys take on that actually. Well, give us an example. You had mentioned Job. Go ahead. 
because um in yeah in Job so uh the adversary pretty much challenges Job to uh God to take away everything from Job and test its faith and pretty much yeah I uh, I'm trying to think. But yeah, from what I understand, I don't think the adversary is actual Satan. I think it's just a spirit or an Elohim that resides in his court that uh, encourages him and kind of like goats him on to make this decision. So I find that uh, really interesting. So I just came in to see... Uh, what do you guys think about that and your take on it? And if you've uh, looked into that a whole lot, you said Inky. Uh, what was that? You said something about Inky. Inky, what's that? Yeah, I thought you said Inky. Nah, I don't think that's what I oh, said. Okay. It's probably my accent. Right. Sorry. Probably, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I probably said Elohim, which is um, the spirit, right? I, <laughs> um. Part of my book has to do with the um, Sumerian text. And oh, okay. um, so I've been dealing with um, Inky and Enlil and oh, all okay. of that. <laughs> so I, know, um, I, I know the Sumerian text has a lot of uh, uh, parallels with Old Testament, like First Temple stuff. Yes, right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of parallels there as like far the as like the flood and stuff, and the flood and things like that. It's just yeah. a, kind of like a different perspective. Yeah, because I know um, because I I know the ancient Sumerian text is pretty much like even like the Babylonian is pretty much like it, it in a nutshell. It's uh, Enoch. Yeah, and Enoch. Yeah, the book of Enoch has a lot of information in. I draw from that in my book too. Um, but yeah, the, the one thing I thought was interesting is, um, the, the, the one quote God in the, um, Sumerian text that ended up being the, the most high God. Yes. Which one it was, <laughs> um, there was Enlel, who is the one who is the God of the Bible, yeah. even in the Sumerian text, they admit that God is the most high God. You know, <laughs> so I thought that was interesting, um, and that's part. Of, that's a little bit in my book too. So when I when I thought you said Inky, I thought, wait a minute, is this guy following the Sumerian text? Because I've been studying that for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if you know who um, Michael Heiser is, but I've watched a lot of lectures from him. Oh yeah, yes. I actually, yeah, he's been part of my research. I, I really do like Michael Heiser, um, and uh, I guess he's got cancer or something right now. He's yeah. battling cancer, and um, you know that's kind of sad. But yeah, Michael Heiser, yeah, I, I I've started uh, paying attention to a lot of what he has to say, and and he's kind of helped me in in um, um, formulating, you know some of my book that way i have to give him credit for some of that too yeah he, so, uh, yeah, he, he gave me a a better scope on understanding spiritual warfare and yes. just things on a supernatural level a bit more so you know i spent like hours just listening to his lectures yeah mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, it's he's an interesting man, and uh, I can I can sit and listen to him. Uh, there there are some. I, he's not a good theologian in my books. You know, in, in as far as his theology, um, you know, he's not a theologian, but his expertise is in the latter part of the Old Testament. And yeah, I've never seen anybody better than him in in dealing with the issues of the Old Testament, you know, and um, his dealings with the book of Enoch. Because um, you know what? It doesn't have to be a canon to be useful. <laughs> That's not, uh, like Yeah, because from that. what I understand, even in the, uh, the New Testament, the disciples took Enoch seriously as a canon uh, source. They did quote. They did quote from him, uh, yeah. from 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 the book of Enoch, um, you know. But that doesn't mean necessarily that it is actually what we would call canon, you know, yeah. scripture. Um. So, but yeah, I thought it was. Uh, sorry, I started on a rant because I thought I heard you say something about uh, Inky. <laughs> uh, no, it's probably it's pro- probably just my uh, my accent getting. A and I'm I'm sorry. About it's that. okay. It's all right. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, another question that you asked, Brent, does God speak in an audible voice? No, there, there's passages where it's pretty clear. And of course, if Jesus is God, as Trinitarians and oneness believers, I go with that. What, what I was asking is simultaneously, like for instance, uh, He's speaking to you directly, and then he's also speaking to someone that's living in Honolulu all at the same time. Mm-hmm. How is this working? Is there turns that are being taken? Is he freezing time and then working with each person's life? How is he? Uh, how is he basically? Uh, can he have two different conversations at the same time? Does that sound unusual? There's a billion of us, so. <laughs> Okay, but that's that is it comes back to what I have said, you know, previously when when we talked that this world when it was put into place that this element of time is an intricate part of this universe that we live in. He is outside of that. And so he doesn't live in the element of time. And so that would enable him to speak to you, Brett, and to speak to me at the same time. He, he And he doesn't necessarily have to be absolutely here in presence, you know, as far as in his um, personal presence. But um, it enables him to do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to do it. Um, you know, that's where our ministry is greater than Jesus. You know, he said that you're going to do greater works. And part of that is, is because of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, whereas Jesus was contained within, you know, one person and could only travel around what he could physically do. And uh, he said, greater works you're going to do. And and that's because of the pouring out of the spirit that was spoken of in Acts chapter two. And that's the difference between Old Testament and the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit is poured out and he, he dwells within me. Uh, he dwells within Aaron. He dwells within you, Brett, uh, all, the, all at the same time. Does that make uh, sense? It, it sounds really interesting, but it gives me this weird idea that um, 
and I know that this is going to floor some religious folks out there. You and I, we've always been unusual, so I don't think that you'll flop over this. But do you believe that God has the capability of time travel? If you if you can really grasp what I'm saying about God being outside of the element of time, um, that time travel isn't necessarily what we're talking about. It's just that he's able to see it all. Let's let's take, I you know if you can see, you see these different sunbeams. That's, yeah. that's on my backdrop backdrop. Right. Okay, let's just say this was a chart of time. Uh, we have Moses over here. We have David here. We have Jesus Christ in the cross here. Um, oh, and over here is the day of Pentecost. And well, over here, see this little crease right here? This is Brett's life, okay, and my life, right in that period of time. Mm -hmm. So... He inspired David. I can't remember which one I pointed to to be David. Maybe here or here. He spoke to David in Psalm 22 and inspired him to write words that pointed to the cross of Jesus Christ. God knowing, sitting in heaven and knowing that Jesus Christ in the in the timeline of the of the universe, him being outside of it, sees, you know, they're going to they're going to um, part his garments and gamble for it. And so, I'm going to inspire David over here, who's in the in the midst of a depression, if you will, hiding in a cave. And I'm going to inspire him to write, "My God, My God." Why have you forsaken me? They part my garments and they gamble for them. I'm just, that's a paraphrase. All my bones are out of joint. And thou hast brought me into the dust of, of death. Hang on to your life, your life. Oh, there's an oldie flashback there. Um, so you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That he's outside. Just like I'm outside of the of this these rays of light that's on my backdrop. He's standing here or sitting or whatever position he wants to be in, sitting on his throne, okay? I guess that would be a biblical concept. He's sitting on his throne. I'm making this up as I go along as far as the analogy goes. And he's saying, I see Jesus dying on the cross here. I'm going to inspire David to write Psalm 22 here to prove by inspiration of the Old Testament. And David's not going to know. He had a no, not one single clue as to what he was writing about as he was writing. But he wrote such intricate details about the cross that I can look at Psalm 22 and I get I'll get goosebumps as I as I'm reading it, understanding the fact that he inspired David while he was in in the pits of depression. He inspired David to write those words, which were prophecy about the cross of Jesus Christ. So time travel, 
he's got it. He sits in heaven and he sees he sees the beginning of creation and he sees all the events and he sees the end over here behind me. And he just he, he can sit back and look at it. That's how a, a, a man who is a true man of God that is giving prophecy, who says he's a prophet and he gives a prediction. If he is wrong by one iota, he's not a prophet and he's not a man of God. Why? Because if he if God was inspiring him to say the words of prophecy, it would be 100% accurate. Because God sees outside of, he is outside of that realm of time and is able to inspire. It's an interesting way to put that forth. At the in in that same token, like there's in the old testament, there's so many uh parts of it that talk about him having like a spiritual presence on earth. So like in Ezekiel where he's um thrown pretty much resided above the, the holy temple in Jerusalem. Oh him uh walking in the in Eden. So he just, it's so pretty much if he's in heaven and he has uh, the blueprint right in front of him, pretty much through like the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. it's just wild to think of him being, him spiritually being present in so many parts of time at once. The way we're looking at this, uh, the way you did the painting and all that and the beams and everything. It makes uh, all the sense in the world, but there is a terrifying aspect that uh, came into my mind because I'm a very imaginative person. Doesn't it mean that we're literally at this point, everybody in between these light beams you speak of, we're already dead then, according to time. He knows what our ultimate destiny is. Those who he foreknew he did predestine to be conformed to his image. If you look at that's in um, Romans eight, um, it, it talks about that. And so, um, yeah, he he knew the he he knows the end from the beginning. He knows my choice. I believe Jesus said, "I go and prepare a place for you." You know, and so, you know, he's preparing a place for us as we speak knowing what our final choice is going to be. Right. But it's the, what I'm wondering is, are we, are we simply, um, this is going to come off weird at all. almost sound like some of the religious folks I've heard that believe in pre-existence. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's basically, I mean, for God to be able to see the beginning and end like that, then it would have to mean that, uh, our experiences, everything that we chose, everything that we've done in our life, that we're pretty much at the point of just simply being dead. I don't know where that would mean that we are in the position of the portrait at this point, though. <laughs> we, you know what? Our knowledge of this, okay, um, doesn't affect what we do in this life. Um, he knows what our decisions are going to be. We don't. In this element of time, funny and funny enough, I think. Um, oh, what book is it? I think Samuel actually addresses that. Oh, uh, you know, um, 
you know when uh david goes to the city i think it's kelia to rescue them to save them from the philistines and uh soul pretty much finds out that he's living in this city or that uh residing in this city rather and he uh, he asks god if i um if i stay here will soul soul come and kill like and kill us all him and his companions and god told him yes but he said if we leave will we be able to escape and soul won't come after us and he said yes so that whole section kind of proves that god creates all these doors for you to go through in your life mm-hmm. which is yeah. that when people talk about like oh you know if god if everything's pretty much destined for you don't really have free will uh that is the section that of uh, uh samuel that i will redirect people to to help them uh, understand i like that I like free that. will make it more clear yeah. yeah but wouldn't it depend though because right now you and i jerry and aaron we're looking at a you're pointing at one portrait, but if God is outside of space and time, as far as we know, there could be several portraits of the different choices we could have made and been a part of whatever painting we chose. And God could see this, yes, but it's really, it comes down to what I was talking about earlier about compatibilism. It's kind of like a hallway filled with doors. Yeah, God knows which one you're going to go through. He knows what would happen if you did right but he also knows what's going to happen if you choose to go wrong. Is that how it's pretty much seen for you, Jerry, or do you have a different way of looking at it? On top of that, he already knows what choices we're going to make. That would be compatibilism, being able to have things set in stone where he knows, at the same time being able to have the choice to do it. Bingo, yeah. I, 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 that's, that's very much. Yeah, I heard you use that term the other day. Let me write that down. What was that called again? compatibilist yeah i was uh doing a lot of searching because i was having a difficult time for a while there and i couldn't get any christians to talk to me to get my head set on straight about it so i just went searching <laughs> all over for how is predestination possible with also the ability for man to choose if you've got an all-powerful god looking over us and i came across philosophy such as uh, compatibilism and it seems to work out real nice and, uh, I, you know on the surface i would have to dig into that a little bit on the surface it sounds compatible <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll have to look into that though um but um you had mentioned about jesus baptism or you had mentioned about was god limited while jesus was on the earth what did he make himself vulnerable and the reason why i put it like that uh for some of those out there that didn't get to hear the original discussion is being that Jesus is God, um, a God in itself cannot be killed, right? I mean, one of the perks of being God is you just cannot be taken out. You're invincible. So in order for God to allow himself to be basically put down for three days or how many days, he's got to allow it. And Jesus even said something to the point of, no man can take my life. I give it freely. He's basically saying, I'm the only one that's got the authority and power to do this and allow this to happen. So that's where I I get the idea that 
not only is God all powerful, but he can also um, decrease himself in certain circumstances, if that makes sense. Um, there were, I mean, Jesus had the cap- a capability that was beyond ours. He, he could read people's minds. He knew what they were thinking. You know, you might look at me and say, you know, you might conclude that maybe, man, this guy is being hokey. You know, look at him. He's looking down. He's looking up. He's looking over to the side. Um, you know, you judge on the outside, right? Jesus was able to look into the hearts of the people around him. Okay. So he had this extra capability uh, being, being that he was God in the flesh. He had this capability, but he was limited in some manner as while he was on this earth. Like for example, when his, when uh, the return of Jesus was going to, is going to be, he says only the father in heaven knows. And I think that's because that's more of the fact that, you know, uh, different, the Trinity have as different duties and different capacities. Um, and, and there are some things that, um, that Jesus didn't know while he was here on this earth. Does he know up there? Don't know. I can't talk to him necessarily to find out that information, but we know while he was here, he was limited when it comes to just a certain aspects of it that way. The uh, other thing too, that uh, makes me uh, feel that there may have been some vulnerabilities uh, by God's own power and hand by doing this is it's the fact that he was born into the world. He would have been a baby and obviously went through the stages because it said he's fully man, fully God. So at some point in time, he was a baby. He was a child so there had to have been some kind of vulnerabilities there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had, he had, to, um, I know this is going to annoy some religious folks for whatever reason, but it seems to me that there was a time where he depended on humans to be able to get him through some of the different things. Not to say that he wasn't aware, or there wasn't something beyond or transcending him. But for instance, when Herod came after the children looking for the born Messiah, he required he de- kind of depended on his parents to get him out of there, right? Right. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, um, that, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot my train of thought now. Um, we were talking about vulnerabilities, uh, right? We, we talked a little bit about the death and can God be killed, kind of thing, and also the dependency. Right. Now, now remember, there was a period of time when they can see when he knew that they were going to try to push him off the cliff, and he stopped that from happening, and he walked through the midst of them. Um, you know, so there was, you know, he he did have a knowledge that was beyond typical human knowledge um and you know yeah he um he gave up his life i'm glad that you pointed out that scripture because a lot of people don't grasp the the concept that he voluntarily gave his life nobody took it from him you know like the old song he could have called ten thousand angels to destroy the world and set him free. So, you know, there there was, um, you know, he laid down his life for us. 
And, you know, for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, I remember what really, really stuck in my head on that. It's not just the fact that it's a beautiful passage and there's a great deal of wisdom around it. But I remember when I used to go into the chat rooms and all that, and there were some uh, religious people who would fight with each other. And they would uh, do this thing where, how do I put it, where they'd blame Jews for the death of Jesus. Oh, my. And then I'd jump in there and say, wait a minute. And I was still a skeptic at, a time, at the time. And I said, the Bible says right here that Jesus gave his life to us. That it wasn't a matter of, you know, some man was able to condemn God and actually destroy God. And that kind of shut people up and everything. I, I don't know what it was. Even whenever I was a skeptic, I just felt drawn to correct people from <laughs> doing stuff like that. Um, I one of the one of the things I think is, uh, you know, why you find me kind of patient with you. I don't um, know because I'm annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I am actually. I have always been the. One, I've been the one who's asked, who's who has asked the questions, and I appreciate people that could answer it. Okay, um, and and it's like I have a lady that comes to my church that was brought up in the Catholic Church, and every time she would ask a question, she would get shut down. Um, and and, and you know, you don't need to be asking those kinds of questions. You know, was the was the response? You know. And um, she likes it in my church because she can ask questions and I will do my best to try to answer them. And if I don't know, I just simply say, I don't know. But usually, usually I have, I have a pretty decent response and she, that, um, and she really does. She does have a, an appreciation for the fact that I'm open to her questions. And um, I, I, that's just something I've always been very open to because I was one of those that asked an awful lot of questions. And that was part of my uh, drive when I, when, I, when I was a young Christian um, it was, I, you know, this group says this, but this group says this. One of them's wrong. Let's see what the Bible says, you know. And so I spent a lot of time just researching the Bible over about every imaginable topic that you can have. And, um, you know, it, it, um, it was something that I appreciated doing because Brett, your faith has to be your faith. You can't have my faith. You know, I have my faith. I have my, my, you know, you know, I have my faith, my, my, what I hold to and cling to, you can't have it. It's mine. I can't have yours. It's yours. So by by exploring, by looking, by digging, um, you learn. Uh, you learn a lot by doing that. Uh, and and you know, as long as you hold to the fact that you know the Bible is God's word, um, and that if it's silent on a subject matter, there's a reason for it. And, um, and maybe I just have limited knowledge. There are things that I have like picked up and I've tried to research and I couldn't find it. So I had to set it aside and guess what? A few years later, Hmm. Hey, I know how, how this puzzle fits together now. And, you know, I was wise enough to know that I need to be patient about some matters, 
because I'm new and I was, I was new and I was learning, but it didn't stop me from exploring uh, my faith to know exactly why I believe what I believe. And I, and I believe that every person needs to do that. And, and so Brett, I don't, your questions, you're an inquisitive man. So was I, Uh, I questioned an awful lot of things and uh, I spent some time on, on matters, on, on, on doctrinal matters, on uh, issues, you know, just trying to find out, you know, what the Bible has to say about those things. And, um, so that's why when you play stump the pastor, I go, okay, let's go. You know, cause sometimes those are things that I've asked. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've got to a point a while back whenever I was getting into the concept of God, I wanted to make sure one of the big reasons why I, I felt I needed to make sure that I hit every facet of where theology is coming from is I didn't want to be what the Bible mentions as the blind leading the blind. I didn't want to mislead people. It seems like there's a lot of folks nowadays where they're, um, I believe the Bible calls them uh, ear ticklers or something like that, where they just kind of tell people what they want to hear. I didn't oh, want yeah. to do that to folks. I um, I felt like if I got any dignity and integrity, I got to know what I'm talking about. And there's a lot of folks on both sides of the aisles, Jerry, that cannot just simply say what you just said and say, sometimes I don't know. I'll have to get back to it at a better time. Don't see a lot of people who are humble enough to do that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you touched on something that uh, it's been a real issue of mine. And, and, and I've, I mentioned to you, to it, uh, to you one other time. And um, I did a video back in the day, um, the Christian ministry video. And I talked about the flea market mentality. And um, we have this wonderful freedom of religion in this country. And um, you don't have a state-run religion, which that usually never worked out well. And so you have your choices as to where to go to church. And um, because of that freedom, it's kind of like going to a flea market. Uh, in any major town that you go into, um, you've got your pick of churches that you could go to. Now, when I go to the flea market, um, you can go up and down the aisle. We have um, Ship Shawana, which isn't too far from here. And you have like row upon row upon row of sh- little shops that they set up and and there are at least five shops that sell the same goods. And so at the flea market, I'm going to walk through and I'm going to find out which one gives me the best deal. Because if I can buy that gadget for $4, or if I can buy it for $7 at another place, I'm going to go to the one that's the $4. Makes sense, right? And, and unfortunately... Because of people having those itching ears, I think Paul has a reference to that. Um, People are going to choose the easier path, the less costly 
path. They'll find the church that will um, agree with their concept and their uh, even their sins. Um, and, and so, therefore, it creates uh, a, a marketing issue with the church that I don't want to be a part of. I don't want to make church so easy that people can come into my church and feel comfortable and wind up in a devil's hell. And I want every person that, that hears my sermons, every person that's a part of my Bible studies, I want to make sure that they're prepared and ready for heaven. Um, it's not an easy path. And yet I find a lot of people trying to find that easier path. And um, so therefore there is a failure to really train their people to deny themselves, pick up the cross and to follow Jesus fully. That's just, you asked, why do Christians not act like Christ? I think that's a, a big chunk of it that we have. Uh, sinful nature points us into the wrong directions. And then this, what I call the flea market mentality that happens, it creates an easier path for people. And, you know, why would you go to a church that won't let you do this thing that you want to do that you know is wrong to begin with? Why don't you go to the church that lets you do it? You know, Jerry, uh, one of the uh, one of the things that bothered me about atheism is it seemed like no matter which direction you took it, you ended up in a position of nihilism where nothing has any value or meaning. And unfortunately, with some of the modern day Christianity that I'm seeing, they've got their own form of uh, uh, nihilism as well, where they're basically saying, oh, well, Jesus died for you. So you could pretty much commit whatever type of thing that you want to do. This is what they're, a lot of them are saying. You, mm -hmm. If you do this, you do that, you'll be forgiven. Well, then that takes away the value of life and why we're even here. What's the point? Should we even put effort? Should we just speak with our tongues or should we also physically have action? And these are things mm -hmm. that get me a little worried. It, yeah. it seems like it's going in both directions. One sounds like it's nicey-nice and the other sounds empty, but they all lead down the same road and it both seems to go to hell. I, I agree with you. Um, there is also one of the other things why Christians don't act like Christ, too, is the fact that there had been a focus in the leaders of the church to dumb down the laity so that they would have to depend on the leaders. It's a power trip. You get what I'm saying there? I'm listening to you. If if they if they can cause a laity to have to depend on them because they are the central vast of truth, they are the ones who are able to bestow grace upon you, if you will. 
by creating a dumb population that won't spend time to pick up God's word and read it, but just follow with what the leader has to say. It really empowers the leader and it creates a dependency, codependency, and that's never good. Uh, there's also a focus on church growth. It kind of it discourages a lot of the spiritual or personal growth and spiritual growth, you know, because, oh, we got to get people in. We got to get people in the seats. True. You know, it's good to have people in the seats. But if you're going to dumb it down and make it easier, that's going to discourage the personal growth. It's really hard to find people that are willing to um, listen to the truth. They have those itching ears. And um, I think that is a big reason why we have a lot of Christians that don't act like Christ. They lack the love of God in their hearts and lives because they're too busy serving self. And they haven't denied themselves and taken up their cross and followed him. Looks like Mr. B's returned to us. Probably going to do this for about, I think he's, uh, are you okay over there, B? Or have yeah, you turned into Darth Vader? You're like, Luke, I am your father. My bad, man. Oh, it's all good. Well, B, I'm going to be doing this for probably about five or ten more minutes, and I'm going to throw up my outro. Now, guys, if you go to the front of the YouTube channel, and I do post it, are you okay over there, B? Are we flying on a Top Gun jet in my Maverick now? I don't know, man. My mic's being kind of weird. Oh, okay. Well, if if you guys check out the front of my channel, I have all the shows I plan on scheduling. I'm going to try to do one on Monday. Uh, we'll see how things go. I've also got a Wednesday and a Friday to try to do things. And you guys don't mind this stuff being on the radio, right? Okay. I, I hold no secrets. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, B, what's up, man? Did you get down to your video game? Yeah, still playing. Just kind of broke up the team stuff, and we're just doing random stuff now. All righty. Well, B, you got any questions or anything you want to throw out there? Me and uh, Jerry, we've just been rocking it. I'm just here for any interesting conversation. I'll go with whatever you want to say. Well, B, what is your theological position, political disposition? Uh, remember last time I said I was, like, remember you said it wasn't the traditional definition of an agnostic. But... Oh, yes, yes, yes. You were in with Aiden. Yeah, Aiden was doing most of the talking, so I apologize if I come off like that. So if you don't mind me asking, do you perceive yourself as a former Christian who then transitioned over to agnosticism or... What, what's it been like for you? For me, it was always just kind of a sense of wonder, if that makes sense. Like, there could be something out there, but I'm not sure. So I'm just kind of along for the ride, you know? I, I've been in that boat. That's where I was. And um, it really it, it really took a, what I would call a revelation of God. Hmm. Um, you know, where he just revealed himself to me and spoke to my heart. The biggest thing was I felt such a sense of peace and you know my 
I, I just said, you know, if this is what it's like to be in heaven, if this is what it's like to be in the presence of God, I'm all for it. And I know it's real. And uh, it caused me to make a commitment to Christ because of it. Oh, and so, um, you know, I just, I, I encourage you it, to seek him. Um, the um, Hebrews um, 11, 6, uh, it talks about two things that are essential for a faith that God is pleased with. One of them, one of them is to believe that he is. Okay. You believe that he is, but also, and to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I believe if a person really wants to find God and they start diligently seeking him, I believe that he will reward them. Because uh, that's what happened to me. I was diligently seeking. I was desperate looking for something uh, to hang my hat on to make this life worthwhile. And um, and he rewarded me. Well, I'm um, very glad that's the happiness it has. I'm very glad it's brought you the happiness that it has. Yeah. Um, it, it, I've been, I've been uh, a Christian for 42 years. Hmm. Love it. Love it. Actually, my anniversary is coming up uh, May 11th. Um, I looked that up one time. Google is great that way. Um, huh. The day that I made a commitment to Christ was on May 11th, 1980. Huh. Happened to be a Mother's Day, and that's what made it easy for me to figure out. Because all I had to do was like, hey, when was Mother's Day in 1980? Boop, there it was. Cool. But um, I have never, ever been sorry I've made this commitment. And that's why and I encourage I encourage people to uh, seek him with all of your heart. And, um, you know, ask him to reveal himself to you and uh, be patient. Uh, don't entertain doubts in the process. Um, doubts will short circuit that. Um, I knew that there was a God out there and I kind of thought it was Jesus, but I didn't know really who he was. Um, and my, my prayer to him on that day was, Lord, you know, I'm done kind of messing up my life. Do something with it because I'm just messing it up. And um, God's been really good over the years. Uh, it hasn't been an easy life, but it's been a good life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. What's your thoughts, Mr. B? I'm very happy that's worked out for him as well as the house. B, can I ask you an unusual question? Yeah, sure. What you got, Brett? If you were uh, if you were sitting in a classroom and a teacher came up to you and handed you like uh, let's say like twenty books, they told you that uh, they wanted you to do every bit of work that's in those books, and as soon as you're done doing all the work that are in those books, the teacher then says they're going to burn down the entire classroom along with all the work that you've done. Would you want to do any of it? Would you even feel the need to put any effort into it when you know that all that work is simply going to be gone in just a moment? On one hand, I know that it's going to be gone, but on the other hand, $20 is $20. Yeah. 
Twenty dollars. Yeah, twenty dollars is twenty dollars. Well, I didn't say anything about you getting paid for it. Oh, really? No, it's just twenty books. Basically, you're given twenty. Oh, I thought books. you said twenty bucks. Um, no, I heard no, that no. too. Yeah, I was a little confused, but no, twenty books of all, you got to fill out all the information, do all the uh, questionnaires, everything that uh, is involved in this, and then afterwards, every bit of work that you've done gets burned. Nothing. You don't get anything. Maybe if I was a little bored. If you were bored. Yeah. <laughs> no boredom's the greatest motivator. So what is your, if you don't mind me asking, what is your world view, um, such as beginning and end uh, whenever it comes to your ideas? Um, honestly, I'm not for sure. There's a lot of good theories out there, but honestly, I can't really say I look too much into it because I'm, I would rather not focus on the past and more focus on trying to live my life to the fullest that I can, you know? All right. Well, what do you believe happens in the end? In the end, like the end of time or the end of my life? End of life. I suppose I don't know, and I'll just have to cross that bridge when I get there. You know, just fair enough. Just was wondering what your opinion was on it. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I uh, say something? Go for it. Did you pay the five dollar uh, toll before coming in? <laughs> Go ahead. No, I I'm did not. Kidding. Okay. Um, well, you said that you were a- an agnostic, right? Uh, yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, if you if you don't mind me asking, uh, how old are you? I'm so I don't I don't mean to offend you. I'm just I'm just asking. Uh, I'm 17 years old. Okay, uh, well, <clears throat> I remembered a long time ago, um, a really long time ago, but uh, I used to not only be an agnostic, I, I went even further. I, re- I was a full-on atheist, did not think the Bible was true, thought it was a bunch of um, baloney, for lack of a, lack of a cuss word. Um, I hated it. <laughs> and so uh, I got uh, um, one month after... I turned after I really went down the drain. My grandmother said that she wanted me to watch this guy named Kent Hovind, and uh, he talked about uh, fossilization and how it takes like only a only a couple years to fossilize something. And so I thought, yeah, this guy's an idiot. Well, I, I, just to prove him wrong, I'm gonna put two acorns in a cup of water. I'm gonna wait two years, see what happens. And they turned acorns. to. Yes, the acorns, and they turned to stone, and I had no argument and had to acknowledge the creator. Um, so, uh, if you want, I, re- I highly recommend checking out Kent Hovind. Don't only check him out. Check out the other side as well. Check out uh, the Satanist, Aaron Raw. Check out both sides. Um, and also, uh, that's uh, about evolution. Now, if you want something more specific to God, um, there is a really amazing book that not only um, brought me further into God once I started believing, but also solidified my belief in him that nothing will change me now after I read this book called Perils in Paradise. It has 365 evidences for God. Uh, there's way more. They, have, they wrote, wrote a second book 
but the first one is like for the uh for the whole year it'll take you a year to read it a page a day it's 365 evidences of god absolutely amazing all the evidence in perils in paradise there's no argument against hardly any of them hmm, maybe i'll check it out uh, I don't know. if uh and let's see uh what's something that could be uh the opposite oh yeah um charles darwin's book uh uh what was that called uh oh, the preservation of favored races yeah uh, you can check out that one for the opposite side as well. And then once you have your mind set on both sides of the issue of uh, creation, evolution, um, things against evolution, things for evolution, things against creation, things for creation, then you can make up your real mind about what you want. Um, that's what convinced me uh, is seeing Ken Hovind seminars and Pearls in Paradise. see and so uh i i was gonna try to make another one of those uh acorns but then i found out something that's even more convincing which are the bible codes and i'm trying to break into them and then i'll uh i'll put it out there for everybody else to get once are i you get talking them. about are you talking about the dead sea scrolls yes i'm talking about the dead sea scrolls uh I remember that. And so once I once I uh, crack the secret messages in them, then I'll put it out for everyone else. Uh, and that's like way more convincing because that's written directly by God. But I don't have much information about it except for the name Bible code. Uh, and I and I don't really want, want you to like uh, take me on that one. The Bible codes are just for the future. What I'm planning to do, and then I'll show it to you. I don't have anything for right now. Right now, just get Oven and Pearls in Paradise. Hey, check out, um, uh, um, you mentioned about um, Heiser. He has a, um, a video about that as far as Bible codes. You might want to check that out um, before you go too far into that. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, I really like what it? he had to say about it. Um, it? Heiser. Heiser. Um, let, me, let me look it up real quick here. How do you spell that? Not very well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's what uh, I went to you. I'm trying to see if I can pop pop up a video of him real quick. Michael Heiser, H E I S E R, S E R. I put Z. I'm yeah. back. Heiser. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is, is Hi, Mr. B Hi, still with us? I am. Mr. B, you're a gamer, like you said earlier, right? You I'm also a gamer. You're, you're a gamer as well, B? Yes, sir. I like games myself. I uh, Let me throw something at you that will be more, uh, more modern for you to think about. If I were to claim right now, assert, that the game that you're playing had no developers at all, would you think that I was full of it by saying that? Uh, probably, yeah. Why? Because someone's got to have designed all of the servers, one, the graphics, two, thing that makes it tick, you know? Now, you realize that just within yourself, 
you are more complex than a thousand Xbox PS4 games put together. They say that one single cell in your body is like a library filled with encyclopedia books. Now, how is it that one could sit there and think that there isn't no God or developer behind this when you realize that you can't even get the minimum of a Pac-Man game without a developer? Interesting point. I'm going to have to think on that one. Yeah, something to think about. we got a few more minutes, and I'm going to shut it down. B, I liked talking to you uh, last time you were in, as well as uh, today, even though you got busy. I hope you continue to come in and hang out with us. I'm not always going to put you on the hot seat, but since you're new, that's kind of like what we do. I get it. Got to make some sort of conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Well, B, we enjoy you and everything like that. Looks like Jack Biden out there is looking for some attention. Let me see if I can't uh, help him out with that. There we go. Goodness gracious. Oh, goodness. So, you guys, uh, what's you, what you guys' plans? Because I'm going to be shutting down here in a little bit. On Monday, I'm going to do a show. I'm going to try Wednesday and Friday unless something horrible happens, like a meteorite hits the earth or something. Hey, Brett, do you play any games on Steam ever? Oh, yeah, I play Elder Scrolls. I also got Fallout 4 through it. I got a bunch of other games and uh, such, but... Uh, got any online stuff? Huh? Got anything online? Yeah, Elder Scrolls Online, yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I used to play it. It's, it's been forever, though. I played... I don't even think I made it to the first expansion. I think I started and stopped before there was an expansion for it. I tried Destiny a while back. The problem is, is I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten uh, it's been more challenging for me to be able to see. So whenever if I play some fast-paced game like Destiny, which I see my son playing all kinds of quick-paced yeah. games, I'm blind I can't, with that uh, on my glasses. I don't know. I'm shot until my character's laying there and it says "game over" all over the screen. So. I can play Fallout because it's got that bats. You know what I mean? You can freeze and then do combat. You know, there's a pistol. It's a 10 millimeter pistol. You can basically beat the entire game with it because it just increases your bats. I think it takes half the points in bats to make it work. You should look into finding it. There you go. There you go. I think you start out with a 10 millimeter in Fallout 4. Got like a legendary. Here, I'll give me just one second. I'll look up for a picture of it. And all right, will, will you give me permissions to like share my screen or whatever? Because I think yeah, I if you want to show off a, a ten millimeter, sure, sure. Just as long as you don't show any corpses in the picture. Uh, not planning to. <laughs> it's just a picture of the hey. gun because it looks it looks special, right? Yeah, Brett, I'm going to bow out. All right, God it was nice you. talking to you, Jerry. Um, I don't know. You know, when I can get back in um, because of uh, scheduling that and trying to get my uh, book finished up, but I will do it if I can, okay? All right, Jerry? remember when you get the book up and ready to go and it's on the market, make me a clip so I can uh, commercialize it and everything, all right? Yeah, hmm. I appreciate that. No problem. Yeah, you, you know what it is when you start a book, you've got to you got to do promotion, or it just sits there and rots. <laughs> I hear you there. 
All right. God bless. Uh, wait, Jerry, before you go, yeah. could I ask one more question? I'm sorry. I'm just, this one is like really burning. Uh, could I ask it? No problem. Um, I'm a, I, I'm a programmer. And so I, I'm, I have no problem with other languages and stuff. I, I can make programs to easily translate. But problem is I really want to find the Hebrew Old Testament of the Bible um, so I could get those Bible codes. Now you mentioned Michael Heiser. Do you know of a website that, or a PDF file for more uh, precisely where I could get the Hebrew Old Testament? I, I do not. Um, I, um, I'm not that well versed. I, I utilize, you know, the, um, um, the lexicon, you know, which basically, you know, helps to give me some of the meanings of uh, of words are used but no i don't i i wouldn't have any good resource that way and he actually addresses that issue um and i'm not going to spoil it for you but you got to find it okay <laughs> okay uh thank if you, you so much it, the, only you thing, the, it, we'll, the only thing the only thing i can oh the only thing i could suggest either of you is a uh, really interesting tool called biblecrosswalk.com it's got tons and tons of different translations and also strong concordance. That's uh, that's what I usually use nowadays. I can't. Uh, it's hard for me to just open up a normal paperback Bible nowadays because the text is so small. But on a page, I can zoom up and read things pretty quickly and clearly. I use Crosswalk a lot in that Bible Hub for uh, to get the original uh, Greek and Hebrew words. Um, I found those two to be very, very useful for me that way. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. God bless you, Jerry. Okay, th thank you so much. I wrote down those two. That's see all. you, Jerry. All right. Hmm. Bye now. Bye, Jerry. Uh, Mr. B, Bye. think about what I was talking about, about the whole game developer thing. Um, <laughs> we, you know that any one of the games that we look at on Steam, there's not one of them that are going to claim to have created themselves. There had to have been some developer behind it. In order to create an entire universe, an entire world, anything like this, anything that even appears such as an NPC or something that is sentient like an avatar, you'd have to have some kind of intelligence behind it in order to do it. you agree with that? Hmm. I'm going to have to put some thought into it. But anyway, Brett, if you check, I'm sharing my screen right now. This is the that 10 millimeter I was talking about. I, I don't see... Oh, I see it. Never mind. Yeah. But if you... Brad, if you like to play with that a lot, then I would give this one a try. Yeah, you... I've, I've played with that gun before, the Deliver. I uh, yeah. I downloaded a mod called... Uh, it's a, It adds a, uh, a home to Sanctuary, and it's got that gun in it. I think that I've actually picked up the gun using the Amazing Follower tweaks, too. You know, have you ever played with Amazing Follower Tweaks before? Uh, can't say I have. What's well, really neat, you know who Codsworth is, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you can make it to where you can command Codsworth to collect all the things inside of a room or within a radius or proximity of an area, and he's picked that gun up for me as well as a couple other neat things I didn't even know were laying around. But you can only do that with amazing follower things. It gives you all these abilities to, like, you could send your own companions out to do missions for you if it's like a, what are they called? A radiant quest, I believe is what it's called. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, if you don't feel like doing that over and over, you can say, hey, Kate or Piper, go out and take care of this idiot for me and take a couple companions with you. It's really neat. Hmm. Well, you can actually get that deliver in the vanilla game. Do you ever side with the railroad? Uh, I've got, I'm really big on mods, man. I got it set up to where I got this uh, mod called Project Valkyrie which makes it mm. to where you can become friends with all the different groups. Because I played it on vanilla, and I did not like the idea that I, if I pick one group, I got to kill everybody else. Because I always play a good guy. I, I see myself as a good person, and I cannot steal or kill or destroy things uh, unless it's in self-defense. And just going into a base and start blowing away Brotherhood or... Are the institutes not cool for me? I, I got to be able to have diplomacy, if that makes sense. Mm. All right. Yeah, I, I guess I see what you're going for. It's my immersion. <laughs> yeah, into your Go ahead. world building or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Short apparently hasn't been educated. He says there's no physical or archaeological evidence for Jesus whatsoever been proven many times no i'm afraid you're wrong if you check out the patterns of evidence it's an entire documentary that shows you evidence for many of the figures of the old testament as well as including jesus christ i'm sorry you lose you are the weakest link so <laughs> i'm sorry steve's out there just spouting out all kinds of nonsense all right guys you guys got anything else for me i hope you guys show up on uh Next week, whenever I'm doing some shows, I like having you guys. Good stuff. All right. Well, yeah, I guess that's it from me. Uh, see you, Brett. Sorry, I didn't catch your name. Other. What was your uh, name? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just call me Phoenix. All right, Phoenix. All right. See y'all, Phoenix. See you, Brett. Uh, maybe I'll catch you later. See you later, B. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're a good guy. Mm. All right. Peace. All right. Well, I, I guess. Well, I guess that was it. Uh, did you uh, have any more uh, questions, or did the uh, did uh, Jerry steal them all? <laughs> I got tons and tons of questions, but I try to keep things under three hours. Oh well, it's been uh, two hours thirty eight minutes. Uh, I still got a uh, time. I don't know if. Uh, I mean, you could go to bed. I don't want to keep you. Well, I if I keep if I go over any more time, I'll have to go through an editor and split everything up. But like this, right now, it'd be perfect to stop it so I can put this on the radio. All right. But yeah. So then I'll, if you I'll... come if you come back next week uh, or stick in the comments and all that, be more than happy to continue to have conversations with you, and we'll throw out some deep ideas. Sound good? Yeah. I'll see you uh, next time. All right. All right bye. See you later, man. Bye. I'm leaving. Uh, if I could figure out how to leave, and I'm leaving. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless.